Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome to the podcast, Jaden Wollaston. I've got Jaden here from uh, Catching the Mind podcast. He's got his own story and um, we're going to get stuck into that today. So welcome, Jaden. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate you taking up your time to, to get me on to the, the podcast, mate. I'm, I'm really eager to, to share my story and hopefully, you know, through through me sharing my experiences, that it will help someone out, someone out there that may be listening in. And the, the beauty with this one today is that I've... I don't do a lot of research on my guests at the best of times, but I like I, I genuinely just know you have a podcast and you have a story. Yeah. So so this literally could go anywhere, and I think we're both pretty eager and cool, like um, I guess willing to see where it goes. Look, I think the best thing about this man is if if you keep it like that, like don't don't really look into it too much. You you keep that rawness, and then if I say something. That will shock you. You will get that wow factor recorded down. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is this this could be cool. Um, so yeah, hopefully the listeners out there can really get a lot out of this. So, Jaden, uh, tell me a little bit about you know where you're from, what's your age, uh, what do you what do you do, um, what's catching the mind? As we mentioned it. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Shane, basically, so I'm 23. I'm based in Brizzy. And what I do for work at the moment, I'm actually just in a call center for the government. I'm taking all the COVID calls, camping bookings, bit of info after hours. And previous to that, I was doing a bit of electrical work. So I was a sparky. Um, massive, massive change in careers. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but mate, works for me. I'm happy. So that's all that matters. And yeah, basically the way in which I got into Catch the Mind was I was going through my own process of struggle. Um, and the best way I like to describe it is when I went through my first negative experience, it was like a domino effect where more negative experiences led upon that. You know, it started when, so I ruptured my ACL playing futsal with a mate. So I subbed in, unfortunately sucked the leg out and the opposition just swiped him from the side, jumped up, thought it was all right. Went to physio next day and he said, oh, you dumped my ACL. And I went, oh, fuck, that's yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. <laughs> and then I went through that, you know, that process where, I've, you know, a point of realisation when going, okay, so it's a 12-month recovery after surgery. Then post that, the, the, I guess the worst part for me was at work when I was a first-year apprentice, I got a really bad electric shock and I got stuck on. And basically what happens in that situation is your muscles – start to contract. So everything's tensing up. Just imagine like you're on the, you're on some bodybuilding podium and everything's tensing up without just minus, minus the oil. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But everything's tensing up, mate. And uh, yeah, I just felt paralyzed and managed to somehow get off, get off that circuit as I was sitting on one of those orange safety steps that you would see in like a Woolworths or, you know, Kmart if someone's trying to, you know, grab something from the top shelf. And basically from there, had exit wounds coming out of my hands, back and leg. And that really woke me up, man. And from there, I was kind of like, I need to stop worrying about all these small petty things because in that instance, if I had been on that circuit for a little bit longer, you know, I, I might not be here having this conversation with you today. Yeah. And, and then from there, just like a bit of a process and few things, a few other things happened, man. I was in a long-term relationship, five years. That ended as well when that 12-month period and then I just thought to myself that I really need to express my inner emotions and feelings. So I went to a men's talking group 
Uh, and in this men's talking group, there were guys that were from, uh, they were ex-prisoners, ex-drug addicts. A lot of them were actually ordered by the court to be there. Um, I just volunteered to to gain a little bit more of a perspective on on life and and the way that guys react to certain situations. Um, and for me, when I was very stressed, I would act in in volatile ways, you know, punch things. Uh, and through that process, I gra- I gained all these different perspectives and and I and I looked at things differently. And I just thought to myself, you know, the old version that I'll you know go out and punch things. I'm like, you know, what's the point? Why was it necessary? And then to, to answer your question, <laughs> very long response, but to answer your question, how I got into the couch in the mind was one night I was playing touch with a mate and my mate was going through a bit of mental health, you know, a bit of a struggle himself. And I just sat there and I said, look, you know, when you get to a stage when you're, you're feeling comfortable about opening up and sharing your, 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 your struggle, um, I was thinking about actually starting a podcast, would you be keen? And then he just, yeah, then and there we just said, yep, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And we just started from there and he got busy. I kind of took the reins over and I've just been doing it for probably about a year and a half now. It's awesome. It's like, I think most of the people in this industry um, usually, usually I'd say 90% of the time now are coming through their own struggles and, and wanting to teach because they don't want people to go through the depths of what they go through. So Yep. It's fantastic and, yeah, obviously we'll talk more about it in depth but I'll also share in the notes your podcast, your website and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, thank so you. Thank you so much. That's all right. People will check it out. I think the more people that check it out, the better. Um, and, you know, it's you're you're doing this all at 23. I'm 33. A lot of my struggles around that teenage to 20s. And yep. that was when I first started opening up to my friends, my family, Um became a speaker and stuff around the same age. And I know from experience being in your age bracket, you can genuinely change a buttload of lives. Like it's, it's, there's no ifs and buts about that. Well, the thing is, man, one thing I kind of noticed, which made me want to try and step out of my comfort zone, because mind you, I've never been a very good speaker. I was a sort of guy in the class at school where I'd be holding up my, you know, A3 size paper <laughs> yeah. when, when, I'm, when I'm doing speeches and I'd be like, oh shit, here I go. You know, they just call my name out. I've got to go up and, and present. But because I have a passion for trying to, to make a change with mental health because it is, it is so bad, especially at the moment, you know, the past couple of years with COVID-19, you know, people not being able to see loved ones and all these restrictions. I just thought to myself, you know, there's not a lot of people my age that are open in talking about mental health. Yeah. And, and that's why that was probably my main catalyst for wanting to start what I'm doing. Yeah. That's fantastic. And that's funny how you bring that up. It's, you know, that ability to speak can change when it comes with passion. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That's clearly what you've got now. And it, you probably, you might still find yourself in really situations where you don't not passionate about saying, and all of a sudden you just don't know how to speak. But then when you <laughs> yep. when you get up and you're passionate about something, you just keep going and everyone's like, gee, like and that's what hooks people in is and that's why people that do this that aren't passionate about it shouldn't do it because people can just pick it up like that. Well, it's one of those things, man, like where you see people in really, really high stressful jobs. So say for example, you know, if you're working for Lifeline, you know, you go through your training course and you're doing full time work on the phones, taking suicide calls all day, every day. You know, for for any normal person, we would perceive that as 
the most stressful thing ever. And mm. there's no way I'd be able to do it because it would, I, I could, I can't even handle my own struggle. How can I handle their struggle? Yeah. You know, it's easy to think that, but again, if you have a passion for that, the passion overpowers everything else. Yeah. And, and, and you just want to continue to help people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I want to take it back and paint a picture for the audience. So I like to yep. do that because um, everyone loves a story, you know, fact. So who, who are you growing up? You know, what was your life like? And what were your hobbies, schooling, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely, man. So when I was younger, I guess I was probably a bit more of a shy, timid kid. I, I didn't have a lot of confidence myself, uh, a lot of, lot of self-doubting just because I thought I'd never be as good as everybody else. Uh, but I guess I got to a point where I just, I don't know, like when I was younger, I was kind of like, I, I just don't really care what people think about me anymore. And I just enjoyed, I really, really enjoyed playing sport. You know, I, I loved, I loved playing like rugby. Uh, what else did I play? A bit of basketball, tennis. I liked giving everything a go. You know, yeah. most, most of it, I was pretty shocking at it. <laughs> I'm happy to admit that, but I love to give something a go and at least, you know, tick it off and go, yep, I've done it. I'm not going to do it again. I was so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was very sporty athletic as a kid. And as I said, I got to a stage probably mid to late, late schooling years where I just went, you know what? I don't really care what people think. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of schools, particularly you've got sort of certain groups. So you'll have like academics, you've got, you know, guys that are more into sport or the other guys that just kind of come together. And for myself, I was kind of like, why do these groups exist? If I want to go speak to, you know, such and such, I'll go do that. And, and that's the sort of, and that's, and that's how I kind of went about my schooling years. Um, I was never very good academically. You know, I was, Oh, oh shit. I was absolutely <laughs> shocking. Honestly, man. Like I could not, I could not focus to save my life. And my priority, my focus and priority was always on sport or early years, coming home, Friday night, chucking on the, the console and playing Call of Duty or something like that. Yeah. That, that, and that was it. And yeah, basically, yeah, growing up life, growing up, you know, family, fantastic. No, no problems there at all. Um, and then later on in schooling. I managed to pick up a leadership role in year 12 and that really boosted my confidence again and my ability to speak. And then from there, I, I went into uni for six months, did phys ed and health science, again, interest in sport, realized there's a lot more theory in the sport. So I, <laughs> so I dropped out of that, then went into to the, the sparky life, electrical trade life, love, love the practical just got sick of the work life, the, the lacking of work life balance, jumped in the call center, fantastic work life balance, you know, fairly good money. And now I've got that good balance where I can work, I can go to the gym, go for a run, and then focus on my hobby of what I love doing with the podcast. It's um it's um, it's like it's it's fantastic that you got to that by 23. Like a lot of people don't get to that. And and to be honest, a lot of males, if you said to them at 18, oh, you know, if you work in a call center, you get some good money, but you get this work-life balance, they'll probably turn around and go, I'm not working in a call center. That's not cool. Like that's not a cool yeah. thing to do. So, and it, it might not be the call center, but I think it's important that people listening, you know, find that work-life balance and um, live the life that they want to live. And, and for you, it's working in a call center for now. And that, and that potentially would change with hobbies, potentially growing into business interests and stuff like that. But yeah, 
You mentioned like earlier um, the ACL. Uh, yeah. Injury was that? Is that the? I guess the first time that you ever experienced mental health issues or you know emotional sort of trauma, pain. Look, I I had gone through a bit of struggle before. I think the main struggle came through anxiety. I always I always suffered from from a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety attacks as a kid. Again, massive overthinker. Again, it, it also is due to a lacking of confidence in myself. But uh, honestly, when I did go through that ACL, it was a different level because yeah. I've always, for me, when I do struggle, some people might be more inclined to sit down and watch Netflix and, and it, it puts them in a better place. But for me, I need that endorphin kick, going to the gym, going for a run for you know an hour or so, come home, and then I'm fine for the rest of the night. Without that, without being able to do that for a good two or three months, uh, it did put me in a, in a pretty pretty depressing state you know um <laughs> i went to the extent of i remember i was i was at tafe at the times um studying one of the the one of the i think it might have been like 3a or something in, in electrical and i ended up just going fuck it and just shaved my whole head because i just didn't care anymore <laughs> and you know, i, I look like one of the guys from i think it was prison prison break yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like the the ugly brother version of the main character in prison break that's what i look like and uh I just didn't care. And I was overthinking everything. Like I would be sitting down and cause my, 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 my old man's really into AFL as well. And we, we, we support uh, Port Adelaide. So we're watching Port play and I'm just sitting there going, why do I even care about this game? Because, you know, they'll be playing 20 odd games a season. They finish the season. Woohoo. If they win the trophy, they raise it, they win the trophy. And then it starts again. And it, it, I just start overthinking everything because I'm just feeling so flat because I don't have that focal point. So I guess the way in which I would approach it again, if anyone was in that situation is you've got to, if, if you have a hobby, don't make it, don't become overly reliant on it because if in the instance you can't access that, have something else that you can get, that you can go to, that you can rely on. If in that situation, you can't go and do that. It's uh, you, you basically stole one of my questions because I was going to ask, you know, <laughs> what, like what in the future would you do if you got injured and you couldn't go to gym again? Because the reality is, and like, I don't say this as a negative thing because the impact that gym has and physical exercise has is, is astronomical in people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the reality is we probably will all go through life where we go through a period where we cannot access the gym. And a lot of people through lockdowns, especially in Melbourne and Sydney over the last two years, have yeah, not been able on. to. Um, then you've got injuries yourself. I personally had two hip operations, couldn't get out of bed for six to eight weeks. And then yeah, there's a rehab. It's, it's the reality that a lot of us face. So you, yeah. you summed it up pretty, we summed it up as perfect as I could have done it is, you can't be too reliant on one thing because if that, and it doesn't matter if it's gym, it, it can be anything. It can be, it can be the relationship you're in. If you're independent, you're codependent on that. Once that's gone, your life falls away. So it's a really important message across the board to anyone listening is, you know, make sure there's other things that you've got for when that one thing does fall away. You've got to, you've got to be accustomed to change because it could be very simplistic things. Like you said, if you're in a relationship and you've got this big grand plan on, on you know, spending the day at the beach, you know, going for a drive at the beach and having fun with your, with your partner, and then all of a sudden something comes up, you know, as guys, 
because we react, we can, we can, we can react quite aggressively, you know, in that, in that instance, we might be like, Oh, come on, seriously. I just took up the whole day. I've been, I've been amping up the day. This is all I've been looking forward to all week, but realistically, you know, if you can't help the situation, you've really got to analyze and take a deep breath. They're not doing this to annoy you. Mm. Things change and you've got to learn to be accustomed for that. Yeah. I love, I love that as well. Cause people wake up and, like the way that well, the way we react from time to time, it's thinking that the other person just woken up and gone, you know, what? I'm going to annoy this person today by changing. <laughs> the it's like, the people don't wake up and do that. Like they, they just, they're living their life and, and things change. So yeah, exactly. When you, when you're going through all of this stuff, when you went through it, yep. you know, you know, how deep did it get for you? How, how deep did the thoughts get, you know, a lot of overthinking, you know, where did that lead to and what what else, I guess, did it look like before things had to change? Okay, so the best way of explaining this is just picture, you know, you're plugging the kettle in to the PowerPoint and you've turned it on and you're waiting for it to boil and then it just hits boiling point and just starts fizzing. Like that was me when I was at my my worst. So, like, I would I would internalise things. And I wouldn't say anything. And for me, I thought that was the best way of handling a situation. And then when it got worse, I would hit boiling point and I would yell. I would just hit that rage. You know, I just, it's like blurry phase where you don't really particularly know what you're doing because the adrenaline's that high. And then as a result, sometimes I would punch things. I'd punch walls and it was just so bad, man. And I, I look back at it now and I'm just like, so, so immature and so stereotypically masculine of me to be able to do, to do that. Cause like we've got to, we, as guys, we have to, we have to enter like and find our emotions. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with identifying that and, and talking about your emotions or even having a cry to, to get it from internal to external. And it was so important. And when I went through that process again of going to the men's talking group, which was, which was called YFS, gaining all these different perspectives, because I was, when I went into the group, I was 21 and most of the, there was one other 23 year old, but the rest were in their forties, fifties and sixties. So I was getting all these different perspectives from a different demographic. And it was awesome because from my end, I could actually give them a perspective from, from Gen Y. Yeah. And and then they actually came to, you know, different points of realization where they'd go, okay, so that's why my my son reacted like that, because I said this to him because it pisses him off. And we, we through that, it kind of we were we were kind of helping each other. And then after that, I I just got to a point where I'm just like, there's there's another way of approaching this. And what they taught me in this in this group was it, it's very simple. Don't have to overthink this. It's called like the, uh, I think it's called triangle circle square. And basically what happens is before you, before you actually implement anything, you're the triangle. So you're, you're, you're used to your old ways. You're getting angry. You're being a dick. You're punching things out of aggression. And then slowly you start to think about things before you act and you become that circle and you slowly see change. And then as you go in this, this, this step process, if, if you, if you, you know, jump back to square one, you become that square again and all that you've learned is all but lost. Yeah. 
So you've just got to really think about it. Like, you know, you put the hard work in to try and make change for yourself. Do you really need to go to that to that to that state of of aggression and, and, and hitting that boiling point? Because now, whether or not you've been working on yourself for two or three months, those two or three months are irrelevant. You're back at square one again, and that's what that's what helped me get through that process. Now, what was the you, you've got, you've gone to this group, but how did you get to this group? You know, what was the decision yep. or who, who helped you get there? Was it, was it someone that pulled you up and said, Hey, Jaden, like this is too much. You, you punched too many things or yep. what, what, what happened there? Cause it, it, and for everyone, it's different. Some people realize it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've done the same thing as you punch things. And when you break your hand multiple times, you realize it's time to probably change. not good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you. Yep. Yep. So I just remember one night basically to not go into too much detail when, when I was going through the breakup phase of my ex, there are a few things that had occurred and, and I was holding it within myself again, as I mentioned, the whole internalizing thing. And my parents could sense that I was holding onto something and I just kept, I kept telling them there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And they just kept picking, picking at me, just poking me, like poking the bear, tr- trying to get those answers. And then after I'm like, okay. And then I just blew up, told them and I just went, I'm sick of this shit. And then punched the wall. And then uh, my old man just said to me, you can't keep doing this. Like it's not healthy. It's not doing you any good, whether or not you did any, you played any part in this situation that you're now holding on to. It's not doing you any good. Uh, and that's when I woke up. My old man actually went to the men's talking group as well. Yeah. And that's, that's how he, that's how he told me about it. And, you know, he, he couldn't recommend it highly for anyone else. It's, it's awesome. Even if you're not struggling, it's just great to get all these different perspectives from other people you know, whether or not be the same situation or or many other different situations. And then from there, I just kind of opened my eyes up and, and I wanted change. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, the biggest thing, if if anyone can get anything out of this is that if you want, if, if you want to become a different person and better yourself, you've got to want change yourself. You know, you can go to see, you can see a psychologist, you can go to a men's talking group. You could, I don't know, you could go, you go to the gym without putting the hard work in and without acknowledging the fact that you yourself need to change because these are problems, you're not going to change. You're never going to change if you can't do that. It's it's like for me listening in and I hope other people are hearing all these, these pots of gold as well, because the reality is like, so I'm listening to you going, how are you 23? Because for you you to say, like turn around and say, you've got to want it, you've got to want it and you've got to do the hard work. And, you know, multiple things you said before, it's baffling because a lot of people listening may go, geez, he's right. You know, I've been a counselor, I've been a psychologist and I just didn't do the work. I just didn't do the hard work myself. And Mm. um, where I do a bit of admin work, where I've done a bit of um, therapy work and stuff like that. The key message, and, and we had a client uh, we we're working with recently who they, they were, the way they were trying to get sessions booked in and stuff like that, yep. it made us do more work as therapists and, and workers. And basically my boss turned around and said, I'm going to put, put this back on you. We're doing more hard work than you. So if we keep going through this process, we're going to be working hard with harder than you. So you're not actually going to, 
change. Yeah, that's exactly right. The person involved, the person that wants the change has to be the one doing more work than the other people around them. It doesn't matter whether that's a therapist or a mom or a dad or a brother or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Yeah. The individual is the one that's got to be doing the work. In saying that, what your dad did was brilliant because he'd gone, he could give real life experience and say, I I think this is going to help you or or whatever. This is why. Um, Come along. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But it's that perfect breeding ground to for changes. You know, you're going to get guidance, you're going to get knowledge, but essentially what you've got is, and I'm trying to blow smoke up your ass here at all, I think, I think <laughs> um, you know, you don't, probably don't need that, but, um, you know, the old, the old version of Jaden probably would have needed that. Um, uh, yeah, sure. It's, it's so important for you to walk in and say, no, I really want to change and to actually implement those changes. And a lot of people, and if those people are listening now, um, you know, really wanting to change and implementing that hard work is two different things. Implementing the hard work is, is the change. Yeah, no, exactly, man. And a lot of like people get stuck on the fact that like, Oh, I'm, I'm 60, you know, can I change? Is it too late? There's no age that's too late for change. And people might be listening in right now going, this bloke's 23. Why am I listening to him? You know, he's 23 on 50, you know, the whole power trip of ages. Yeah. Just fucking forget the fact, forget the fact that I'm 23. Just, just listen to the experience I've, I've gone through and what I've gained out of it. And, and that's so important because if you don't like, regardless of what age it is, man, if you don't make change, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Oh, and the age things like appropriate there as well. I love that. Cause I, I don't want to make this about me, but I'm going, going to for now. Yeah, go uh, for it. it. When I did a lot of my talks for Beyond Blue, and I was 25, 26, and I, I had 50, 60 year olds come up to me and basically they say, Thank you. Um, yeah, I didn't think I could change, but now seeing you go through that, I, I can still do it. And I'm like, Damn right, you can. And, you know, these guys, these 50, 60 year old guys, a lot of them are saying the same thing. They're like, all I've done for 35 years is work 60 hours a week to put a family over my head and my family don't even want to speak to me anymore. And, yeah. I, and I'm like, but you can change, you can still change that. You can, you can do that. And they're like, you know what, hearing your story, I know I can. It, it, it doesn't, when you're comparing the ages, you're in, you're still in suffering. You're, you're looking for an excuse. 100%, 100%. And it's just so, funny. Do you know what's funny about that? Because when you, you see a lot of guys that use excuse of, but I, I worked all the additional hours. I put my hand up to everything. You know, I, I put food on the table for my family, but they still don't love me. And, and, and in that respect, you know, good on them. That's awesome. They're being the family man that, you know, they're being the, the father figure, but in other, in other aspects, they might not be in that father figure that the pet, that the kids need, you know, it, sometimes it is, it is also very important to have that work-life balance, you know, like you make sure you're there for your kids allow your kids to talk about anything that might be on their chest mm-hmm. rather than just focusing on work, 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 all sort of stuff. You've really got to make sure you've got that even balance. So for Jaden heading into these sessions, you know, how did you feel going into them? Because sometimes that's the, you just got, you just got a wry smile. So I feel <laughs> like there's a good answer coming in. So. <laughs> I was, mate, I was, I was shit scared. <laughs> I honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to, you know, when I opened the door, what was going to present in front of me, 
I was just very, very nervous because I, w- I did not talk about anything at all. And I, and half the people there, honestly, probably more than half the people were in the, vet, in the same shoes as myself. But I think over time, you know, as they go through certain topics and we look at things and, and everyone collectively answers the question and you can kind of pick up on the way they respond, you kind of build rapport and trust within the group and a sense of relatability. So once you've built that, that's when you kind of feel more obliged and much more comfortable in opening up. And as I built that trust more and more and more and more and more, the change was apparent. And the beautiful thing about this group is once you get to that 15 week stage, which is the last week, they do this process where they'll bring you out, bring you out the front and there's like three, three chairs. So there'll be the, the first chairs represents yourself when you first entered the room on week one, the halfway stage, which is the center, the center chair, and then the end stage of where you are and where you, where you want to head into the future. And it was just unbelievable. The change that I could see within every single person. Every, every person that actually stuck it out for the 15 weeks and committed and wanting change for, and wanted change for themselves, absolutely changed. And I'm not just saying that to try and get people to this group. I'm not, not, yeah. trying, not trying to say this to get like a cheeky sponsorship or anything, but I shit you not, every single person I've seen that's gone through this group, whatever situation they were in prior to entering this group, there was change, 100% change. On a and uh, if they want to sponsor me, I'm happy if they sponsor my podcast. That's no drama. <laughs> um, no, like, I, I, what was it like? Obviously, you're, you've changed, but what was it like seeing the others change around you as well? Like, how you know, how warm was that for you to see? You know, you, you're going along a journey with other people, and the, you you do get involved in it mm-hmm. as well. Um, how was that? I think, I honestly think it was quite rewarding because it was sort of like, I'm not on this journey by myself and we're all putting the hard work. Let's all get to that finish line together. And it was just great. Like, you know, everyone's acknowledging everyone, you know, the whole brotherly handshake sort of thing. Good on you, yep. mate. You're doing well. And we had each other's backs. You know, we had, a, we, we had all, you know, most contacts that would message each other if we were struggling because we're all in similar, similar shoes. And I guess the best way to answer it was because we were all going through that process ourselves and we all wanted to get to that finish line. We, we were just all arcing each other up and amping each other up to get to, get to there. And I think it was just, it was great. Just not feeling like you were alone throughout this process. All of what you just said, how easily, or how transferable is that into real life and, and how important, if you think it's transferable, is it to do? It's, it's hard in real life. It's, it's like saying because you go to like this, I, I guess the, way, the best way I put it is when you go into this group, it's like artificial reality because they, they give you all these scenarios that could present themselves, but realistically you're not actually in that scenario to to put into play until it actually does present itself in real life. So I think the best way to put it is it is a lot harder to implement. And I think it's so important to maybe just start off little baby steps. You know, like if, if it is very hard to go from, you know, this is a little bit irrelevant, but let's just say, for example, for someone who may be a heavy drinker and they want to kind of wean off it and, and just not drink for, for a good six to 12 months, it's, it's hard to just go, Stone, you know, cold turkey. 
but if you slowly, slowly implement it, you know, it might be like, you know, one night, you know, every second night you have a couple of drinks and then slowly bring it down to one, then slowly nothing. If you can kind of apply that to, to this, to think certain things that you learn throughout life from other people and gain, when, when gaining all these different perspectives as well, you'll probably find that it's not as overwhelming. So to me, yeah, the best way I would put it is just very small, just, just go for small change. Yeah. And then eventually it's like setting little goals, set little goals to get to that bigger goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's yeah, obviously great advice. I'm not, yeah, not knocking that at all, but one of the things, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm a bit lost in my question, but with those, with what you learn, with being in a community, yep. being in a group atmosphere, being able to amp each other up, are these the things that people listening can still do outside of these groups? Right. Yeah. Like you like, I love all your answer. I am not I, trying. No, no, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. Go, yeah, go yeah. deeper now into those aspects of it, you know? Yep. Cause you're, you're a person now essentially doing that with your podcast, which we'll chat about shortly. Um, you know, and, and the not being alone factor because people listening here, might still not be ready to go to a group like that or whatever, but yep. essentially what we're trying to do is create an, a platform and atmosphere that in the end, we're all just humans helping each other, guide each other through to exactly. the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, just there, I'll, I'll just touch base on what you said at the end there and I'll answer that question is that it is so important because you look at people, say for example, on social media, you know, from the way they portray themselves in that photo, super happy, no worry in the world. Again, we're all human. We all go, go through some form of struggle. Some people are a lot, a lot better at hiding it. Some others aren't. And you've just got to be mindful of that. Don't be envy of anyone else's life because people that have much, like, you know, people that have riches, fame, they go through some form of struggle as well. They just don't present it because they present their own, you know, image yeah. of what they, what they are. But to, to answer your question, I think if you're open to talking about your own struggle with someone, whether or not it might be just one or two mates or a family member, then you can create that community. You have to be open in talking about these conversations. If you want to go deeper into this, you have to be open about talking about mental health or struggle or just asking you, mate, how you're going and it being in more of a, in a uh, serious sense rather than comical, then you'll build that community and you'll, you'll find that safe space of being able to openly talk about these things. I think, um, and this is a personal opinion. I'd love to get your thoughts on it, but I think a lot of men, men in particular, but women also, they are scared to have these serious conversations because they feel like that's what their life will become. But the reality is that, and I'm, I can't remember, I did a workshop the October last year. I can't remember the group and I won't quote the full, but it's basically a triangle at the top is um, like your, your shit talk, your how you going, yeah, good. Then your next is your, oh, you know, the weather's been this lately or oh, COVID and then you yeah, go down yeah. a, another rung in, that's when you start asking about someone's family. 
then you go down another rung and that's that's the serious shit. But no one ventures down to that part of the triangle because there's a fear factor around it with, for, for many different reasons. I think, from my opinion, we don't need to be there the whole time. But you've just got to allocate you know, parts of your life to that and be able to go in and out of that. And I think I, might, I think you would agree. Um, you might yeah. have your own take on it, though. No, no, I agree. I, th- I think it's 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 important to touch base on it, especially when you need to, when you feel when you're not feeling yourself. But we can't be worried about everything, you know. We can't control everything. We, you know, things happen in life. That's life, essentially. And I think we just got to live it and learn to not overthink it and just live in the moment. And but. But be mindful that when we are hitting our lowest points, that we do go and speak to the people that we can trust the most in opening up and talking about this sort of stuff and allow it to get off our chest. Outside of this group that you went to, what are the other things you started to implement in your life um, for, for the change? So let me have a think. So... So, okay, just I've gone to this group. I guess the best thing I've learned over time is when I did start doing this podcast that it could be a matter of, I guess probably the biggest thing that I've learned is that I could be faced with a situation that's exactly the same as what you're being faced with. Yeah. But but you may react to it so different to what I would react. You know, I could sit up, I could stand up right now and I could reach for the door and kick the, I kick my big toe on the, you know, the bottom of the door. And I could, you know, it could be the end of my day. I could, I could be going on about it all, all west of the afternoon. Versus yourself, you could kick your, your bottom, you could kick your foot on the bottom of the door and be like, oh, whatever, that hurt, and then just get on with it. Yeah. And that really changed my perspective and outlook on life because I just started believing that even though I'm, I get frustrated by the way that someone may react or may think, A, they may be having a bad day. That's why they're reacting like that. Hey, we're all different. We build different genetics, all that sort of stuff, and and that's how I've learned over time to change. I, I just I I learned to take a step back, analyze, think about the situation a lot more, and be like, okay, why is this? Why did I get? Why were they reacting in a certain way like this? And and and, and then you just start thinking about those things, and it just diffuses your level of frustration, and you just get on with your day. There's a, there's a huge level of empathy and compassion with that, whether it be with for yourself or, or for someone else. Because I think a lot of people have that compassion for someone and empathy for someone else. Oh, gee, well, they must be going through some stuff, but they don't have it for themselves. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. And, and basically the other part of what you said is take a step back, take a breath. Yeah. Take a breath before you decide what's the next part of what you're going to do. Because in that in that time we take to breathe, we take we relax a little bit, and we go with a lot clearer mind to make those this next decisions. So then we don't have to look back and um, ultimately say sorry or make drastic changes. Rather, we have acted. You know, we've responded carefully, mindfully. Um, yeah, absolutely. You got to you got to learn to love yourself. And I actually watched this YouTube video. I don't know if you heard of this channel. It's called uh, Yes Theory. There's like three or four different guys, and basically what happens is that they they just go and do all these different skits. And to us, 
it might be impossible to be able to achieve it. But for them, it's just like, I'm just going to put my, push myself out there. And their motto is seek discomfort. So push your boundaries and seek for fear because your boundaries would go from this small to this much bigger. Yeah. And one of the videos I did, they actually, he, uh, one of the guys spoke to the Dalai Lama and they spoke about like in particular uh, Generation Y, how a lot of people are struggling with anxiety and depression. And basically in, 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 in summarizing what the Dalai Lama said, he basically said that the reason why a lot of Gen Y struggle is because of the whole, oh, poor me, look at me, I need attention. Hey, hey, I'll put my hand up. Why is no one listening to me? It's it's just the want and need for people to, to you know, to, to, to always be, you know, looking at you and, and making sure what you're doing. Whereas if you learn to love yourself, and not become reliant on, on people's attention and, and people's company, you'll learn that that idea of depression and that struggle will slowly diminish. Again, it's, it is a, it is a process. It's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a marathon, not a sprint, yeah. but over time you'll find that, that will help in the process of healing. Yeah. I watched that video on your, you shared it last week. I'm yeah. Really yeah. That's it. That's story. the one. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. It's a river. I'll, um, I'm just going to, Make a note to um, put. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. The other stuff that I've got going in there. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's a really powerful video, and I hope people pause the podcast and um, go watch it because yeah, it doesn't. It, like everyone looks at the Dalai Lama or, or people in it. I guess who are in a different light and in a different realm and they just they're just in the moment as being a place where you can't get to and to be honest we probably can't in the world we live in ourselves with technology and cars no, and, no. and work and stuff but the lessons they teach are still lessons we can implement to improve our well-being improve our life improve our happiness and it's not about getting to where they are it's not about it's it's like all the lessons um that the buddha the buddhist the buddha teaches a, a lot of what they teach you know is very easy to do if you're sitting in a cave and you've got no stimulus in the world but, so <laughs> yeah exactly we, we, we live in reality but the lessons are still true and, and if, if it implemented will make life a little bit easier for us and that's that's all we need we don't need it to be hiding in a cave, meditating 24 hours a day, but just having that ease of pressure, the ease of stress, the ease of anxiety, the ease of depression throughout day to day will make a huge difference. Yeah. Well, you look at something like, like uh, buddy, the boy who cried wolf, you know, no one's going to be running up a hill, you know, screaming out, oh, the, the, wolf, the, the wolf's got me, and yeah. then continually do that on a daily basis. No one's going to do that. But it's, what the, it's the message that you gain out of that story where, you know, if you continue to lie, people will, will take, you know, take it as a lie. And when it actually is a, a really sick situation, people will just brush you aside. So it's just the messages that you can gain from these things. So you've gone through this group, um, you've started to implement a lot of the changes into your life. You know, what, what did life, how did life change for you, you know, when you got in those scenarios where you used to blow up, I mean, essentially you probably, you didn't blow up like you did, 
Yep. So what, what were the things you did to prevent yourself from blowing up? Yep. So again, I kind of use that, that uh, triangle circle square process and I, it became a bit of a competition for myself. It was sort of like, how long can I last before I do blow up again? And every yeah. time I could feel, I could just feel it. I could just feel it simmering in the front of my head. I would just go, no, 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 I'm going to win this. I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let my frustration get the better of me. And over time you do that. And before you know it, your concentration isn't on the situation and how you would handle it. And you become accustomed to the way that you react like that. And I feel like sometimes it is actually so important that we actually don't pay too much attention to the changes we make because then we'd be more concerned about, have I made it? Have I done it? And when I was actually going through the men's talking group, I would always be, you know, every, every couple of days, I'll be talking to the parents going, can you see change in me? Can you see change in me? And, and I, because I'm focusing on it so much, I'm trying so, so, so hard to try and make change. Whereas that is not the way that you do it. You know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the way you do it. You just allow it to happen. The first few times, you've really got to, to hone down on it. But after that, it just becomes a bit of a consistent pattern. And before you know it, you don't even think about it and you're implementing it. It's funny, like it's, I spoke about this with someone today briefly and I was like, look, you don't, you can't get better at a sport by just talking about it and asking if things are better. You actually need to go in and do the work. You actually need to live it and breathe it. And then what you'll find is you've got this run-on effect where things just do start happening and then all of a sudden you're like, geez, I haven't actually thought about me changing for a while, but I've changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How does that happen? Yeah, exactly. And it's just, you're doing it, you're living it, you're breathing it. You're not, as you said, you're not thinking about it anymore. And mm. that comes back to a lot of it. It's just living in the moment yep. and making sure when you're living in the moment, you're in a, you're living in a place where your well-being is in a much better state. So when things do come out of nowhere and they do, they, you'll be going, you think you're going great. And then something will just come by and you know, knock you over the head but if you're in a, a very content place with yourself, you'll find that it just doesn't knock you around as much. Mm. And, and you won't, you don't have that kettle boiling where all of a sudden you've just punched a wall. Um, because no one just punches a wall from one thing. No way. There's a build up. There's something going on. And I've always, yep. I remember after I've told this story in a podcast, I was in 18th. Um, I was doing the bar work and there was a big blue, about 50 people punching on. And there's one guy just going around hitting everyone. Didn't matter if they're his mates or not. He was just punching everyone. Oh, and God. Went inside. And I spoke to one of the other guys. He goes, oh, no, his dad. Um, he's had a rough childhood. Yeah. And I went, so he, he's not just punching people because it's fun. He's, he's, this has been let. It's always, there's always a buildup of home life or whatever it is. And I think this comes back to empathy and compassion. While I don't agree with this kid going and punching people, I stepped back and went, why is he doing it? Uh, what's going on in his life that makes him do it? And I was able to step back and, yes, he's not doing the right thing. He deserves to be punished, but I can see why he's doing it. Oh, this, there's always a reason for the means of, of their action. Like, I actually, it's funnily enough, I remember back at school, there was a couple of kids that would just piss around and piss and fight around in class. and for anyone, it would usually be like, oh, these guys are 
pains in the asses. They really need to focus in. I'm just sick of their actions. But again, thinking about it, maybe their home life isn't that great. And I remember me- messaging one of the guys and that was, that was the case. Mm. They just needed to get it out of their system. Unfortunately, not, not the right way, much like the story you're saying right now. He shouldn't have, they shouldn't, there shouldn't have been a blue. There shouldn't have been a punch on, but that was their way of venting out the problems that they're now facing. Yeah. And so, and I will, I will bring this up as well. This, I was talking to a kid, 15 years old, or 14 years old last year in depth. And he was talking about his mate and he thought his mate was doing all these cool things because his mate was riding motorbikes around the streets. And um, he's, he was talking about his mate getting picked up by the police. And I was like, so what, what happens when he gets picked up by the police? And they, oh, he called, they call his parents. I said, okay, so what, what's, his, what's going on with his family? Oh, his parents, they work, you know, 12 hours a day. They just, they don't really, he doesn't, they don't really see him. I said, so why do you think he does these things? Because the first person the police call are his parents and they turn up and he gets attention from attention. them. That's all he wants. And I think a lot of people think kids who are, are misbehaving and stuff are, you know, are naughty kids. They just want attention. They want, they want attention and it doesn't matter how it comes. When you're not yep. getting loved or support, it doesn't matter. They just want attention. And exactly. It's... I'm not trying to blame anyone or anything because everyone has their own story. You know, these parents might've had their own story. So they might've been had parents never worked and didn't have money. So they want to, they want to buy everything and give everything. Mm-hmm. So it's this cycles and stuff. So there's no blame, but no, no, as, no. as you mentioned earlier, you know, there's no blame there. It's your responsibility or the people's responsibility to go, all right, how are we going to steer this forward? As an individual, if if the collective isn't in agreement, it's it's on the individual as it was with you to wanting change. But in saying that, there's one thing that I do want to mention is that you know if if the if if someone was to use the the example of okay, my father was a heavy chain smoker, mm-hmm. so that gives me the excuse of being a heavy chain smoker myself. And then my my son might might do that as well. Like we we still have control over over these things, you know, whether or not it be a genetic thing that someone might be quite volatile in the family. If you know it might be genetic, it might be in the genes. Then you just got to be the bigger man and go. I need it. I need to do something about it. And it, it's so important that rather than waiting for these instances to occur, because they might probably more more likely than not to occur. Do something about it while you can, and whilst it's not, you know, hitting that kettle, kettling, you know, boiling point. Yeah, oh, spot on. It's it's um, it's the easy option, just following in the footsteps. It's the hard option yeah. to just go. You know what? My dad did this, and his dad did this, and his dad did this, and <laughs> yeah, it does. It, they, yeah. These these things don't date back two generations. They they can date back four or five. I did, I had a guest on who her and her partner went into her mum's history and it was four lines of, of mums who, who had given up um, their child at a young age. Wow. It, it just, and it, and it flowed back and they wanted to know more, but they couldn't because there was a gap in where the mum actually was. So Gotcha, yeah. It, and she, she's, she was a young mother herself and she basically said, I have the ability to change this pattern. I can change my family history right here, right now with my kids. 
and, and she's done it. And it, everyone has that ability and it's, it's difficult because when you start to, you know, life starts to get really challenging again, you fall back into your old ways, but it's about putting your hand up and going, no, nah, I'm not going back mm. there. I'm not, whether it's a chain smoker thing, it's I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm going to find a way to navigate my self through this. So huge, huge point you just raised because a lot of people just find themselves going, no, my dad did it and his dad did it and so I'm just going to do it. But you don't have to. So for you, you move through a lot of your struggles, you come out the other side, you know, this different, I love the word version because you used it a couple of times, I love it. Yeah, this different version, you know, You've stepped into a, the podcast, you know, what's it, what's it been like now being on the other side of hearing people's stories and, and sharing those stories and clearly uh, I would assume receiving feedback from listeners as well and, and friends and family. What's that like been like for you in a, in a non ego way in, in, you know, filling the soul, filling the cup up kind of way. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And I guess I've never really been like, I want to, gain mass exposure with this. I want to make money, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, obviously ideally, you know, with everything we do, it would be, it would be great to make some sort of income with it, but that's never been my, my focal point. But I guess the the reasoning behind the podcast was that I always just wanted to try and make a positive impact on at least one person. And as long as one person's listening into to an episode that I upload, I'll just keep uploading something that I've learned again is the whole idea of gaining all these different perspectives and, and understandings. And, and that's why I try to get such a broadened variety of guests on the show. So I had one lady who was into like the, uh, the BDSM scene, like bondage, all that sort of stuff. Very different, very different scene to probably you and I, but it was good to get an understanding of why they do it, why it fills their so-called cup up. And then I would have someone like, uh, Phil Anderson, who was the first non-European to, to wear the yellow Tour de France jersey, uh, jersey, yeah, and just hearing his perspective on you know the pressures of sport. And as you go through this, regardless of whether someone's playing sport, regardless of someone who's who's into music or an ex-teacher, they go through some very very similar struggles, and that's what I try to make. That if you're someone listening into an episode who might not think they've really done many, you know, have achieved a lot in their life. It doesn't, doesn't fucking matter. If they can get relatability out of that, then that's the most important thing because when we do go through a form of struggle, a lot of the time we do feel like we are going through it by ourselves. And that's why I try to make a safe space for people to open up, hence catching the mind where I feel like if I am to do an interview on the couch per se, I'm in my most relaxed state. You know, you're sitting back, relaxing, you're not overthinking everything and and the bigger and better questions just roll off the tongue rather than than thinking about, oh, how am I going to answer this because I'm a little bit concerned about the way that people may respond. What's uh, Who's been your most memorable guest and and something, you know, where you've sat back and gone, I took a lot out of that? God, there's, that's a hard one. Honestly, I'd probably say the the gentleman that I'm uploading this Saturday, Aaron yep. Stark, 
is probably the most memorable guest that I've had, just his story. So basically I came across his TED Talk video and he, he his title is I Was Almost a School Shooter and he was talking about how he had a very unstable childhood. He's, 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 his father was violent, mother wasn't there for him and just not fitting into the community at school. I only had really one mate in the tunnel, start, kickstart that process, but he got to a stage where because he didn't, no, didn't care about himself and he wasn't getting appreciation from anyone else, and be like, look, look at my parents because he just terrible. And... He was just, I loved how open he was and expressive. He went into detail with this process and, and how he did manage to get through this. And yeah, yeah. 100%, like most notable guests by far. I'm excited to listen now. Um, I haven't listened to any of your podcasts because I really didn't want to know anything going into this. So, but it's amazing. Like you talked about um, just doing it for the love. And I, I've tried a few times you know, to then start to monetize it. And it, it never worked. I, I just, and that's yeah. why I took a break with podcasting. And I just went, you know what, go back and just enjoy yeah. what you, you love, what you do again. And that's just literally talking to people and, you know, coming across you, I don't think, you know, is it a fluke that my mindset has changed and you popped up in the inbox and we got connected. Um, so I, oh, <laughs> I want to end the podcast here um, because I want people to, if they're listening to, to actually yep. check out your podcast. You know, I don't, I used, I, sometimes my mind goes, Oh no, they're competition. But in reality, every podcast is going to have their own audience. And to be honest, if yep. people listening to this, you know, really resonate with you, I hope they do listen to you. I think what you've got Thank out you. of your life and, what you're implementing in your life and the life lessons you're passing through is absolute gold. So I, I want to end this now because I want people to listen to yours. Um, I know you'll share much more on your podcast, um, a lot more stories. Um, so I want to end by thanking you heaps uh, for joining. And I know we'll, uh, we'll keep in contact and we'll um, potentially record again, I think at some stage for sure. Thanks, Shane. And I just wanted to quickly touch base on one thing that you just brought up before in saying that I think it is also very, very important that you just give things a go. You know, for myself, if I didn't see your story on Instagram where you said, oh, I'm keen to have someone, you know, interviewed on my podcast, I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you, you know? Yep. I want to do that. That's fine. But to find out your full capability, you may as well give something a go. And even if you don't succeed, at least you can tick it off and go, at least I've tried, you know, and, and you just continue to push your boundaries by doing that. We'll finish with an absolute pot of gold. Thanks again to listeners. Thanks, Jaden. Uh, love chatting with you. Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13-1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y-F-I-T-T dot com dot A-U.